0: Welcome back to another episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Eisman, it feels like it's been way too long, but it's good to have you on to talk some more hoops. Welcome back.
1: It has been too long, man. We're back. I'm very happy to be back on the pod uh, talking to you. It's always a good time, and I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be a good episode,
0: too, because we really haven't done this all kind of for this NBA season. It's honestly just been a weird one. I think it's a case of—I think one thing I've learned from this NBA season so far compared to others is— I can't really take stock of what's going on earlier in the season. I kind of need to wait till later. But that kind of dives in, into the point of this segment, which is looking at the midseason mark of the NBA. We're going to take turns drafting teams we think are most likely to win the title, and we'll list out our criteria and then go back and forth picking out nominations. And I think the premise, honestly, is just contextualize like who we actually think is good versus not good, and then more importantly just figure out where – everything is. Before we do that, though, Eisman, are there any particular things you've noticed from this NBA season compared to previous years?
1: Uh, the debacle of the Brooklyn Nets has been really interesting to follow from the whole situation with Kyrie at the beginning of the year and now to the point where they're finally looking like they're reaching the potential that a lot of people expected them to, to have.
0: Yeah, winning – I think they won – what was – it was like a 12 or 11-game win streak. They've won now nine of the last ten, so they're they're looking good. I think for me, because you kind of hinted at my point, I think a broader trend we're noticing that I hinted at like a minute ago is I think it's harder to take stock of what's going on at the beginning of the season just because the standings make absolutely no sense. Like the running joke for the season is – does anybody want to be the first seed in either conference? I think I think one thing is I don't think seeding really matters as much in this year's playoffs, which is why I think I want to do this segment because I I still want to rank these teams, but just because we have a team first doesn't mean they're going to even be first in their conference. Like there's it's been way more of a a parity type situation we've seen with this year's NBA.
1: Yeah, and especially seeding-wise with the Western Conference. I mean, you have seven, eight teams that already have, I'm looking at it right now, 20 wins. Like there's a, there, do you remember at some point there were like the top five or six teams all have like 19 wins in the Western Conference? Like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me of
0: those early 2000s days. There was a year where, I think it was even twenty fifteen. Remember when OKC and Phoenix were both like forty-eight wins and they both missed the playoffs or something like that? Like it was one it's what's interesting is I think it's a case of teams that we thought would be really good. Like, for instance, I think the Bostons and Denvers have either cooled off or gotten hot but haven't like been consistent all year. You look at a team like Brooklyn, it was more of a case of they got super slow start and kind of picked things back up. And then it's a lot of teams like Cleveland, uh, you know, Phoenix Golden State of like, they're really good on paper, but then either because of injuries or because of chemistry concerns or a whole host of uh, other problems, they've been just like in the middle of the pack is like, we're in the middle of the conference, right above 500. And, And Like the Clippers are another one where it's like they have their guys back and they've lost five in a row. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I think that's one big thing. But the other challenge is it's, I think it's really hard this year to pick the title because I generally do think there are some teams that can make some big runs. And I think that's where I want to get to the criteria for, before we start picking teams, in terms of how do you evaluate who's a true contender or who's not a true contender, what are kind of some things you're looking for? Because, for instance, for me, some criteria I've got are, I think the better the superstar you have, I think that matters. We saw last season how when you have a Steph Curry or Jason Tatum or a Giannis, your team is well better off, even if your supporting cast isn't all that good. I think having versatility is also a pretty big deal. But what are some what are some other uh, factors that you consider when you kind of want to make your selections here?
1: I For me, I am always looking for consistency. And even in your losses, as long as you're not looking completely outmatched on the floor and you're staying competitive in your games, and it doesn't look like that you're just giving up out there um, – consistency is big for me obviously you got to win more consistently than you lose but even in those games that you do lose you still have to be you still have to prove that you're competitive out there on the floor so I like that I also am and I think this is kind of overlooked especially in the playoffs but I I really like good defensive teams interesting okay that that, it's a bit different from my philosophy I want to hear you out but and, and I understand that because I feel like the offensive game is a lot more important in the playoffs because obviously I, good offense beats good defense every time. But if you make the shots difficult, if you can make especially the Stars uncomfortable out there, defense good defense can lead to good offense. And I think when we do this draft, um, there will be a trend for me of some of the better defensive teams
0: well the reason- the reason why I actually like your point is I think for the most part good i agree good offense typically beat great defenses I think it's honestly it kind of resembles like college football in a sense where even the best defensive team will still give up forty points in a college football playoff game. but the difference is being good versus being horrendous and I think this gets into the conversation of for instance a Denver where Denver's like a, what is a top five offensive team but then they're like bottom 20 in defensive of uh, defensive rating Brooklyn's another one where they're one of the most efficient offenses right now but then they're middle in the pack defensively and their personnel kind of scares me in a postseason setting so I, I, I agree for sure I think to go on that I think I value defensive versatility in other words teams that can go big and go small I think Really, where it matters and play against different personnel. I also value half court offense because we know in the postseason things slow down. You need a lot more veterans, a lot more half court playmaking. So, I personally also va- value can you just get points in more difficult circumstances, especially when your plan A and your plan B don't work? So, I think that's some of my criteria. I also value one more. I don't know how much of a factor this is for you, but I value have you done it before? Like, in other words, I give credit to teams like. Golden State, for instance, teams like Boston, who they've been in competitive playoff series before and have proved they can at least be a conference semifinalist and maybe even a conference finalist. Whereas for a team, let's say like the Clippers, I really haven't seen the Clippers do anything outside of make it to the second round or even a team like Dallas, where I need to see more than a one year sample size of can this team actually really make a deep run in the postseason. So I don't know if you have anything else or if you're ready to get started here.
1: Yeah, no, I actually like that point, but I'm going to change it a little bit. Not necessarily to, has the team done it before, but how many players on your team have done it before?
0: Oh, because oh, oh! there's day, some players that are uh, some, some questionables. I agree.
1: <laughs> right? So I think the more players that you have, obviously stars hold more value, but the more players that you have that have done it before, I think is more important than necessarily the team itself having done it before. Like you, you brought up the Clippers – Kawhi has done it before twice, so and was Finals MVP both times. So, if, as long as he's healthy and playing in the playoffs, they're not as much of a concern to me as say maybe the Nuggets, like you said, who not only are a defensive liability but don't have any anyone super important on their team that's been able to win a championship.
0: Or conversely, I think you can look at players who have never done it before because you can look at Brooklyn with Ben Simmons, Nick Lax and some of their younger guys. You can look at Dallas is a big one for me with Christian Wood because he's such a great scorer, but then I watch him and it's like painful on defense. Uh, whereas a team like Boston, let's say their core is intact from last season. Golden State's the same thing. So they've actually got, I think continuity for in an extent matters if you've proven it before. So I think we've listed out for the most part what our philosophies are. And because you're the guest in the podcast. I'll let you go first, which means you have the most pressure because it's actually hard to kind of pick a number one, I think, this year. There's not really a maybe there's a consensus on your end, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. So you can kick things off with the first pick.
1: Yeah, this is this is tough. I'm gonna go out of the Eastern Conference because I think that is I think it's a little more top heavy rather than the depth of the Western Conference. So I think whoever makes it out of the East World had an easier path. Might be a little chalky, but I really, and, and it kind of goes against everything that I just said about having players that have won championships. That's the, that's really,
0: the theme of this season, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I hate to say it because I really don't like fans of this city, but it's the Boston Celtics for me. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Jason Tatum has established himself as probably the number one MVP candidate so far. Jalen Brown's been playing really well. I loved the trade that they made for Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason. And this is – and, you know, I talked about consistency. This is a team that's been pretty consistent so far this year. Obviously, they just gave up 150 to the Thunder. <laughs> I'm going to chalk that up as an anomaly. Well, it's also
0: 150 without their best player, too. I think Shea Gilchrist didn't play in that game, so that's even that, yeah. made, that adds more fuel yeah. the fire there.
1: <laughs> so – That, I'm just going to kind of push off to the side. Most of their losses have been fairly close. And they I just love the way that their roster is assembled. They have your go-to scorer, your go-to playmaker in Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown has been lights out this year. Marcus Smart, we know what he does. We know who he is. And he's been doing that. Like I said, love Malcolm Brogdon and Grant Williams. I think is, has taken a nice step up this year as well. So I, I think this is just a really deep team. Al Horford, Rob Williams, too. I think a lot of depth. They made it to the finals last year. So they do have at least a little experience in that department, even though they didn't win. And I think the East is. A much easier path to make it there, at least, rather than the West.
0: Well, and the one thing that goes for Boston, I think, is they've got the most versatility. I would like, okay, reliable versatility, other than the Clippers, but they've actually proven it in the regular season that they could be good. I think Tatum's leap, as well as Brown's efficiency, matter a lot because I think the big concern with Tatum is he kind of straddles, he's the weirdest superstar ever, I think, because he straddles between. He could be a first, a first team All NBA player, and he's been a clear MVP candidate this season. I'm doing an MVP ballot segment actually tonight, and he'll be in my top five. But the other challenge isn't a playoff series. Can he be your Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jokic? I would argue Curry level of offensive creator because we've seen, especially last season, Boston's offense at times just completely went off the rails if the three-pointers weren't going down, especially against Miami and against Golden State in the, the last two series. That's my only concern. But on the other hand, though, I think continuity for them I value so much because they've looked really good, I think in part because they didn't make any major moves. They didn't panic in the off season. Their internal growth is good. I think their coach, Joe Mazoon has been a lot better compared to – what we thought, because remember, they bounced back hard, uh, strongly from the uh, Ime Odoka thing, and that was a huge narrative earlier this year. I think through the, I would say for me, that would have been my, my number one pick, probably. I think they just have, they check the most boxes, so I, they, that's a good pick. The challenging thing is, uh, I don't know where to go for number two here, because there's a lot of options. Um, oh, this is going to be tough. Part of, part of me still wants to go for Milwaukee, even though it's a, st- it's, a, it's a slow stretch, and they've got who I think is probably the best player on the planet right now. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee here. The the case for Milwaukee is kind of similar where they've done, per, they're the second seed in the, in the Eastern Conference, and that's with Chris Middleton not playing this entire year. Their one struggle is, uh, shot creation, but the problem is that they haven't had Middleton, which means that way more minutes for Grayson Allen, who's not really good. They're bringing Joe Ingles back into the fold. I think with Milwaukee, their biggest concern, which to me is bench depth, and the fact that they really can't go deep, isn't really a liability in the playoffs when I think they can actually just go with their seven or eight-man rotation for the entire postseason. I think Giannis being at the level he's at right now, I think matters too because I've seen him do it now in in playoffs. Like Remember how good he was last year where... Milwaukee would have been swept if he wasn't in that series he played amazing in that seven game series in the conference semifinal so it's tough for me part of me wanted to go with Memphis maybe because they I think they do have some upside if everyone's healthy I also consider Brooklyn just because I mean they're still one of the better two-way teams probably in the league right now but I'm gonna go with Milwaukee just because I think they're more of a certainty I don't know if you want to push back or if you kind of agree relatively
1: No, I I totally agree with that. I was between Boston and Milwaukee. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay.
1: The thing that Milwaukee had that was going for me was that they did win a championship before. Giannis is the best player in the NBA to me as well. And it's another team that's really sound defensively. You got guys like Brooke Lopez, who is... Can we take a second to appreciate Brook Lopez? Do, do, and, maybe bro,
0: all potential all-star, to be honest. I think he would be an honorable mention for me.
1: Like, it's it's crazy to me how much Brook Lopez, this late in his career, has developed his defensive game. So, wanted to shout out him real quick. Well,
0: and more but, impressively, uh, in his mid-30s coming off back
1: surgery last year, which makes yeah, it even scarier. Exactly. So... I really like that. Obviously, Brooke Lopez has always been a pretty solid offensive option as well from the center position, um, and Drew Holiday, another guy who can who can do it both ways for you. I when they traded for him a couple years ago, I was a big fan of that, and obviously it worked out. Um, and yeah, once once Chris Middleton's back, we know what he brings to that offense, and I think in all likelihood, it's going to be a no, another Bucks Celtics or sorry, last year was Celtics. Heat. I think we'll have Bucks Celtics in the Eastern Conference Championship this year.
0: Well, we, we did have Bucks Celtics last year. I think we'll have it again. The interesting yeah. thing is uh, if Milwaukee continues to slip and let's say Philly and Brooklyn both jump up, do we see Boston Brooklyn or Boston uh, Milwaukee in the second round again? Because I think mm-hmm. I, I mean that we we can deliberate, but I think those were them two and Golden State were the two of the three best teams last season. And we might see that again with this whole playoff seating being a mess. So the challenging part is, who's the third pick? Because I think from there, I think it kind of becomes a case of what you really prefer. And I think from here, we're going to see probably some disagreements.
1: Yeah, well, you actually did briefly mention the team that I was going to pick. I'm going to go with the Grizzlies here with my third pick.
0: Oh, God, okay.
1: Um, And I... I really like what they have going on. I'm a huge fan of Desmond Bain. Uh, I think he's great. He works super well for the, for his role within the team. Obviously, the Grizzlies are, have always been a very defensive identity team, you know, from the grit and grind all the way up until now. But now they have some more dynamic offensive playmakers like John Morant and even um Dylan Brooks too. Dylan Brooks has come along really nicely, I think. I'm I've always been a huge fan of Jaron Jackson too. And I think the only thing that's holding him back is that he gets in he as soon as the game starts, Jaron Jackson gets two fouls and ends up playing like twenty minutes. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think if you can get if you can consistently get thirty minutes out of Jaron Jackson on a nightly basis, especially in the playoffs, his versatility will help them a lot. I just, I think I think this is finally the year that the Grizzlies can kind of put it all together and make a run in the playoffs.
0: They're they're from a buyer perspective the most interesting. Uh, trade deadline team I'd say probably this season because they actually have the uh, capacity to make a moves with draft picks on some young guys but I, I my, my biggest concerns for Grizzlies so for context they just off the top of my head they, they're they in this similar tier of like the three through six range of if I had them six or had them third they're still in that second group of, of collective contenders for me I really like them because I think they've actually proven for now back-to-back years that they can win games the challenge though is, as you put it, Jaron Jackson has taken such a leap this season that if the postseason foul trouble is a problem, you lose so much of your Memphis that you have to rely on so many young guys in a playoff series to actually do well. My other concern though is the prove-it factor. Unlike a lot of these teams that we're going to talk about, they're, besides them and I'd say the Pelicans, those are the two teams where we haven't seen them do a long-term, either multiple playoff, uh, you know, playoff berths or a deep postseason where we haven't seen it from them. And my concern is I don't want them to be a case of like the Atlanta Hawks in 2021 where they can make it to a deep postseason and then the following year they just get nuked. Now the difference is that they're way better in the regular season. And it's not to compare Jaw to Trey. I think Jaw's astronomically better this year compared to Trey. But it is that idea of I just need to see it first, like, you know, I need to see them make a conference finals and, you know, actually put up a good fight rather than they barely beat this Timberwolves team that we saw just completely fall off the rails this year and then against Golden State got completely nuked. And I understand John Moran was hurt, but they're they're a case where I think they have the upside for it. Like, if you told me they made the NBA finals, I would totally agree with it. If you also told me they lost in the second round, I think I would also, I would more likely believe that too. And I think that's the predicament with the
1: Grizzlies. 100%. 100% Hundred percent, hundred percent. Completely agree with everything you said there.
0: So because of that, I'm going to take their rival. I'm going to take Golden State at four. And I actually thought you were going to pick Golden State at three here instead of four. But I'll make the case for the Warriors. Even with all of the weirdness of this season and all of the struggles, they're actually above 500 now, and they're only two games back of the fourth seed. So this whole notion that they're going to be from the they they're going to be a clear playoff team. So this whole thing of like they need to fight. Remember and this is without Steph Curry too. Steph Curry has. Is, is dealing with that injury, so he's still not playing. And the reason why I have Golden State so high is Clay Thompson looks back. And I don't think he's the same defender that he was pre-ACL and Achilles injuries, but the scoring, especially from three and off the dribble, have shocked me. And remember, w- Wiggins has also not played a lot this year. I think when healthy, because they are going to be healthy, that they're going to get both these guys back. One thing that I value that we didn't talk about in our – kind of what our criteria is. I really value teams that can get hot late into the season. A good example is Boston last year where what they start off what, eighteen and twenty or nineteen and twenty one. It was something like that. They were below five hundred forty games in and they just torched everybody on the way to the NBA finals. Golden State has, I think, that the highest upside of anybody in the league to do that. Where I think they can go from where they are right now, 39 games in. And I think they could potentially be a 48-win team that wins, like, you know, 28 to 30 of their last 40-something games. I truly do think this team has the upside. And I think Curry also playing as well as he's done this season. The one thing I've liked is that he's not only looked good, but Golden State's also won a lot of games this year when he's not been playing. And I think especially in the postseason, that'll be a lot of good reps for teams that are going to double-team him. I think Golden State they can there's a chance that they might have the lowest basement like if they flame out it wouldn't shock me because the west is just really loaded this year just from a depth perspective but if you're looking at contender upside i think they've got the proven factor the versatility and curry's been really good in thompson's bag you still got draymond green and company so i i think they're a a, a solid lock for me in the top five
1: yeah, I was hoping you would you would uh, skip over them with your pick so I could grab them with my next one. Oh. <laughs> uh, because this mean, gets fun. Listen, they're the defending champions, and you and this core has now won four rings, so you can't overlook that. And another guy that you didn't mention is. My Michigan boy, Jordan Poole, he's
0: he's had some uh, late-game foibles, but he's actually been really good when it's not the fourth quarter, which I think matters for – he can play, like, 25 to 30 minutes as, like, your third guard and just give you offense when Curry's not in the game, which I really – I think is very important for this Golden State team.
1: Yeah, and he's just been helping them tread water at that starting point guard spot since Curry's been out. And he's definitely not a starter on a championship team. But as a six man, I think he's great. And, and, you know, he showed that a little bit last year in the playoffs too. So yeah, no, no complaints, no argument with that. It was, it was close for me between Memphis and Golden State, but I think Memphis has put more out there on the floor as of now. And that's kind of what decided it for me.
0: Yeah, that's also interesting because I think that would be a fun conference finals. By the way, Grizzlies Warriors and the, like these teams hate each other for some reason. Because yeah. it really yeah. is. It kind of we're not comparing them whatsoever, but it does kind of remind me of Pistons Bulls, where it was like the old versus the new. And you can pretend, I'm not calling John Morant MJ, that's not the point, but it is that logic of, like, it's this team that's proven it multiple times, and they're going up against this up-and-coming foe, and you're setting up that narrative that's just going to be, if they match up in the playoffs, it will arguably be one of the better postseasons I think we're going to have this decade, just based on that kind of, like, volatility against each other. They hate each other.
1: Mm-hmm. All this say, just because of Andre Iguodala, man. Yeah, who's not playing, by the way. He just got back, like, a couple, like, I think last <laughs> night, so... <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I'll I'll go with my next pick. In this one, I am finally going away from the defense. I will go with the Denver Nuggets. They're, okay, this they were my next team. pick too.
0: So we're actually in agreement here. I like it. Okay.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a team that um, I personally have have had to watch a lot because of my job, um, and God. Aaron Gordon has been awesome this
0: year. All-star? If if he was in the Eastern Conference, him and Jeremy Grant would have been the forward all-stars. But unfortunately, they're in the Western bloodbath. But they've
1: been both really good this year. Aaron Gordon has been awesome this year. Obviously, nothing really needs to be said about Jokic because he's doing this year what he's been doing the last several years. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter kind of finding their footing after their injuries has been has been a nice sight to see and purely on offensive firepower i think that can carry this team a long way in the playoffs i and i do believe that they have the potential to win a championship i just think that they're it's gonna have to be by scoring over 120 points a night if they don't do that they won't they won't win
0: the The reason why, so similar to you, I think my logic is they've been hot lately, and I think that Clippers victory, I know Clip, the Clippers aren't as good uh, this year as they've been in previous years, but the one thing I appreciated was Jokic proved that he can be the most valuable player on the court, even if he scores two points by halftime. And I think we yeah. saw it, because he commands so much attention, he's... I think we just dis- we discount how important of a rebounder he is because the one thing that's preventing a lot of teams from winning, they're not only outscoring people, but them next to Gordon or him next to Gordon, teams are only getting like one possession trips. Like they're one of the better teams in def and on the defensive glass to basically limit teams to a one possession one. Sh- especially if they're taking a jumper, like they're not getting that rebound unless they make it in. The reason why I also like them is that I I'm personally just really high on Jokic now. The downside to Denver. The big thing is the prove-it factor because we have to see, can a team with an all-offense center be the best player on a title team? And we really haven't seen that, honestly, ever. Like, you would have to go, because even, like, you look at the all-time greats, like Bill Walton, he was, he averaged, like, three or four blocks a game against Kareem and then in in the NBA Finals in 1977. So it's like, okay, he's not, he, and a lot of the comparisons have been made toward him. Uh... A lot of the best centers in the league, though, ever have been two-way forces. Whereas Jokic is a really good—he's a—he's a solid defensive player, but he's not an elite shot blocker like a Rudy Gobert or a versatile defender like a to Bio, Let's say, and I think that's the challenge for Denver: is can you can you survive in a playoff context when you you have to cover up for Jokic's defensive weaknesses? And I think that that matters a lot. But they're they're also on fire. The other thing too that I think matters for them, they're. I've I've heard this a lot in, in articles and in podcasts. They're also the most surefire bet, I'd say. Like if you had to pick what's the safest team, quote unquote, that you think would be a legit Western Conference team, it's all I think Denver or Denver's probably the safest one because they've been in the playoffs multiple times. Like even last season. Remember, Denver won forty-eight games and that's with Murray not playing at all, and Michael Porter played nine games and he was out for the year. And they still were a sixth seed in the in the in the Western Conference. So I think just from a safe, a safeness perspective, they're pretty good.
1: Uh, I, I don't know about safe. I think this is probably the highest upside.
0: Oh, you think they're the high upside? Okay.
1: I I would actually say Memphis uh, – actually, Golden State to me is probably the safest just because of what they've been able to put together in the last several years. But I think because of Th- that's, what –
0: That's true. I guess the history matters there, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think I think Denver is probably the highest upside team just based off of the talent they have. I also forgot to mention Bones Highland, he has been good, really good off the bench this year. Um, and I just I just the offensive potential on this team is crazy. So if they can put that together for in four games out of seven in the playoffs, I definitely can see this team. Winning the Western Conference,
0: so that that make, this this is where it gets tough for me because I'm between a couple teams. So I guess to lay it out, I'm between I'm between New Orleans is kind of trending up on my board right now, but the injuries to both Zion and Ingram, as well as their lack of a proven factor, I think have me weary. I really need to see it also from Philly. So here, here, I'll tell you what, I'm actually going to go with Brooklyn here. I feel like we, I think the only reason I have to is I think out of any team left, Kevin Durant has the highest playoff ceiling of any of these superstars that are still on the board. I think in addition to that, I really like what they've done this year where they, they finally got rid of all the BS. There's not really, they know the hierarchy. They also have a lot of versatility too, like, TJ Warren has come back from the injury looking great. Royce O'Neal, even though I hated the trade at the time because of the whole Kevin Durant trade request, is been really good this year. Seth Curry gives them just another dimension on offense, and you still have like like Nick Clarkson and Ben Simmons. I know like they're not like lighting the world on fire, and we, there's obviously the Simmons baggage, but they've both been good defensively, and they've also been good rebounding for a team that doesn't have a uh, like the weird thing about Brooklyn is unlike most teams, their biggest weakness is something that I think does matter in the playoffs, which is. Like bones, like they 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 have no size, like they're super thin and super lengthy, but they don't really have like a bruiser, like they don't have like a Valanciunas type center or even a Stephen Adams or just like a guy who can play twenty minutes as like a pick and pop, just defensive anchor. They really are relying on kind of like a bunch of athletes to to really anchor the defense. That's my only concern because then when you have a playoff series against Giannis or Embiid or some of these guys. They're gonna to have to kind of similar to Denver, which is why I put them right below. They're gonna to have to outscore teams, which I think they actually can do. I think that their play their upside is equally as good as Denver's. I think they can win the title too. Their floor is also very low too. Like I think their their floor. I, I'm not I'm not as sure as them as I, I'm more surefire on Denver. I'm not as sure as uh with Brooklyn just because. The the one thing that's been weird with them, they have one of the better offenses, but they also have supreme jump shooting. And a, a common theme with this year's NBA is that, ju- that teams can rise and, f- and fall just based on how hot or cold their opponents are, as well as also how hot and cold their shooting is. And that's my only real concern with Brooklyn. But I would say out of any team, they've got the safest superstar out of anybody left on the board, which is why I want to take Brooklyn here. I think it's a safe bet to pick Brooklyn at seven.
1: Yeah, and I I expected that to be the next team to come off the board. Like you said, Bubble TJ is back, and it's and kind of cool how he looks this good after he's been out for what two years.
0: He hasn't played. Oh my god, is it since the bubble? Was the bubble the last? I think he played a little bit I, in twenty twenty one, but that it's been like years.
1: I thought he didn't play at all last year.
0: No, he, I I think it's been two years. It's been like two full yeah. over two full years since he's played.
1: So that is a – if TJ can continue the way that he's playing, that's a huge steal for the Nets on that front. I think coming into this year, the biggest issue that we'd seen with the Nets, like you briefly mentioned, was their defensive liability. Um, Bringing in a couple wings, guards who can get the job done and and kind of strengthen that core I think is helpful for them. But, again, to your point, the – the issues are going to be in the front court, so you know. Again, it's it is a similar situation to the Nuggets, but Kevin Durant is still a top three player in the NBA, and I think if you have that on your he's team,
0: al- he's also, by the way, been very good defensively this year, which I think has been underappreciated. When I'm going to do my MVP about that I'm going to bring up he's he's been he's been part of the reason why they've actually held up defensively because he really wasn't all that locked in in Golden State toward the end there. But in Brooklyn, he's actually been, like, one of the better perimeter defenders just from, like, a, he's actually been a good shot blocker and a good steals guy just from a stat sheet perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Kevin Durant, top three player in the NBA. I think that in itself can carry you to a championship, unless you're the Los Angeles Lakers, can we just take a minute to to laugh at them? You're you're not you're
0: not going to have them on our bow. This is our tradition, by the way. We have to mention the Lakers now. To be fair, they are only a game back from the play-in. so they actually we might actually, they've won four in a row too, like quietly. So we might actually need to do we maybe bring them up.
1: <laughs> well, AD is out for their foreseeable future, so we can bring them up. <laughs> well, I,
0: I might I might have to add them in as like an honorable maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll fit in here. You always have to do the if LeBron and AD are healthy, like they could still kick ass in a playoff series like that's the (laughs) i I don't know if uh austin reeves lonnie walker and pat beverly can uh make shots in a playoff (laughs) series but you know fly off the seat of your pants man (laughs) you could you you could pick them here with your next pick if you want
1: i will not do that i will (laughs) take the team across town though i'm gonna go with the clippers for my next pick and this is solely based this is really just based off of hoping that they stay healthy because I really like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has single single handedly carried the Toronto Raptors to a championship, which is still one of, to me, one of the most impressive playoff performances I've ever seen.
0: Oh, the my my all it was one of my all time rewatch games is a uh, Philly Toronto twenty nineteen or twenty yeah twenty nineteen game seven in Toronto. Remember, that was the one where Kawhi, statistically, he looks awful, but I think he scored like 43 points on like 37 shots. And again, if you didn't watch the game, nobody on Toronto was scoring outside of Kawhi Leonard. Like he willed them to a, a victory. And it was, it was one of the great, and he also beat Giannis too, when we all thought the Bucs would make it. We thought the Bucs were the clear favorite in that 19 season. And nobody thought they could beat Golden State. Like I know the Golden State was injured, but it, it is one of the more impressive playoff runs probably from the 2010s.
1: Totally. And they have, I mean, obviously he's got Paul George with him, who's played really well when he's been on the floor. But that's really, I think, the, the biggest issue for this team is, can you keep Kawhi Leonard and Paul George healthy and playing together in the same games? Because they haven't really had a lot of that so far this year, and I think that's why their record kind of reflects that. But they still have a pretty solid all-around team behind those two superstars. You know, you got they—they they got Norman Powell, uh, Marcus Morris. We know what he's done over the course of his career. He's just, you know, just a solid, dependable guy. Rob Covington, Zubots. Has been playing pretty well too. He, him,
0: and Luke Kennard have been like the, they're two, uh, they're two lone warriors in this like ever changing. Yeah. He's they're always playing even once the rest of the team is uh, in and out of the lineup.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the one thing that I would like to see a little more of is more consistent point guard play.
0: From, oh, so, um, so that's that's I'm, I'm gonna like just interject real quick for the Clippers. They actually were low, way lower in my rankings. I'm out on on the Clippers, and I think. The big reason I think is what you're going to bring up is the point guard play where it's like both Reggie Jackson and John Wall are fine, but they really need like a prime Rajon Rondo, just like not a facility, like awesome facilitator, amazing defender, doesn't kill you offensively, who can just give them some stability on offense. Because it's basically the issue I have with this team is I think they actually have too many guys where it's a case of like we have to give everybody their shots, et cetera. And I think it's also a case of a lot of isolation plays where it's just like all right, everyone, go stand in the corner, one on one. The Denver game we saw it when they can't get those ISO shots going, they're gonna get trounced by thirty points against a, a really good offense that's hot on a on a given night. I'm I'm out on the Clippers too. I think they're they're they we we've tinkered too many times, and the we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see, and it, it's hurt me three different times. And I I think it's impossible to say that they're gonna do it. So I am out on the Clippers, but I I I want to still believe I in them.
1: I understand that,
0: but but similar yeah. to Denver though, I think they also do have. If everything goes well, they might have a top three or four ceiling out of all of these teams we talked about.
1: Yeah, they have a, they have a ton of talent, but it, it's it's understandable to be scared of them because of it. Just it always seems like there's something wrong with the Clippers, you know. Like there's just one thing that they couldn't like with the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan days. One of them was never on the floor, and I think we're kind of seeing that now. And maybe I'm just maybe I just have wishful thinking that they'll all be out there on the floor together and playing well. But
0: well, we also talked about it, but continuity is a big deal in the rankings, and yes, they've had the same team now for a bit. But they all haven't been on the court together for. That's the problem. Is like, can you can? It's also why I have some concerns with Brooklyn. But why I actually like Brooklyn now this year more than ever because actually their guys have been playing. Like Kyrie and Katie have both been on the court at the same time with these role guys. It's can you win a multiple playoff series is when. You're, you have, like, 20 to 30 different lineups in a given year. Like, it's hard to build the chemistry that you need in a postseason context when you have so much fluctuation just, like, for 82 games. That's my only concern. Because we saw it with Brooklyn last year. Remember how Brooklyn, it was just a complete crap show? Part of it was drama, but part of it was also they couldn't get a core eight guys that can play together. And we've seen that with the Clippers this year, which is why I, that's a precedent, I think, that we've seen before with the NBA.
1: Mm-hmm. So... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. They're they're kind of just treading water, I would say right now. They're not setting the world on fire, but they're not completely imploding either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how they shape up closer to the playoffs. But
0: so that that leaves next? me that leaves me on the board with the eighth pick. I think we're also I think run I think we're running out of teams here. I think I have like four more, maybe like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, a, around there. It depends on how we feel about some of these fringe teams. But I'm gonna go with. Uh, Oh, it, it okay. the 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 debacle for me is between uh, Dallas and Philly. Case of two MVP candidates. They each have their own context on their teams, of course. But it's a question of for Dallas, can they prove that the twenty twenty two run last season was more than a fluke? And for the Sixers, can we prove that they can actually just exceed expectations and make it to a conference finals? So I'm gonna go with Dallas here. I I love what Luke has done this year. I, my my issue for Philly is we've seen Embiid wear out multiple times in the playoffs. And I think with Harden's age, I'm also concerned with his health. So I think their ceiling is a lot lower because we've seen that with this this even goes back to like the 2019 days with like the Butler and Embiid Sixers where Embiid actually just got tired by the end of that series against the Raptors. Like he he can't sustain all of that that usage in a series. Whereas Luka Yes, he can't sustain it, but they've also, like, if they're a team where if they just get hot from three and they can maybe find one more creator, whether it's Dim Witty or some third guy, I think they could be really good. So I'm just going to go Dallas on pure upside here. I, I don't think they're going to win the title. I don't even think they might make the conference finals, to be honest, but it's hard to not believe in Luka given the magic he's done this year. He's been incredible.
1: Oh, I, dude, I love Luka. Luka is one of my favorite, if not my favorite player in the NBA. And the only thing that's turning me off of Dallas is I just think it's a lack of depth. I think Oh,
0: it's so bad. Oh, my God. We saw it against Boston where, like, if Luke is not playing and they're not making threes, the, the lack of offense is, like, pretty scary.
1: Dallas is one more all-star caliber player away, I think, from being a true title contender. But they don't, like, I like Christian Wood. He's not – he's never going to be the second best player on a championship team. Well,
0: with never. the way he plays post-defense, I hope not, because if not, then that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, I mean, Dinwiddie is Dinwiddie's good too, but, like, there's just – there's no one else on Dallas besides Luka that, like, really gets me excited, you know?
0: No, I, I agree. I, I think that's a, that's an easy selection there. Uh, any other teams for you for nomination? You're, we're at pick number nine now.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to – completely pass over the Sixers here. Yes. I have seen, seen enough of them. <laughs> I, I I don't care how good their record is. They're not going to win the championship. You're
0: valuing the unknown versus the known. I love it because the known is too painful.
1: <laughs> so this is going to be a lot of unknown here. I'm going to take the Pelicans. I knew it, yes. There you go. Um, And, again, this is solely – this is banking on – a healthy BI and Zion come playoff time cuz I really like the way McCollum's played this year. They've gotten they they have a lot of depth on this team too. Trey Murphy has been playing solid. Herbert Jones has been playing solid. I like I like Jonas Valančiūnas a lot, but I think if you can get CJ and BI and Zion on the f- floor together during the playoffs, this team th- this team I do believe has legitimate title
0: potential no i agree i actually have them higher too over my next two teams which i think this is where the conversation gets pretty interesting of who i value more because i'm between cleveland and philly for this next spot the case for cleveland is they're better right now and i think they've got way more upside the the case for philly is at least i can know they can make a second round playoff and then in a right mode make the conference finals so i'll actually take philly here because the reason why is my concerns with cleveland are in a playoff series, Garland and Mitchell as a backcourt defensively is, is a nightmare. I think that's a problem. But also, their their lack of a, a good forward. Like, they really do need, like, a Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, like, if Joe Ingles, a couple... Like, just a really good, solid 3-and-D guy that's not Karis LeVert. Because Karis LeVert can actually win you a playoff game if he scores 40 in a night. But there's also the three other nights where he's going to score... 16 points on you know six for 15 shooting and he's not going to play good defense and I think they that plus also Evan Moby's playoff offense is also I think scary so I th- I'm going to go with Philly here just because I think they've got better star talent right now and I also think they've just got more of a certainty to at least like win a playoff series
1: yeah and I mean that listen they definitely can win a playoff series or two. I
0: think I think Cleveland has the potential to make a conference finals this year. I think they've actually been really good. If if they can if they match up against the right team, like I think they can actually potentially beat I think they would suck against Boston, but I actually think they have a chance against Milwaukee and against Brooklyn because I actually think they can they have the versatility and the personnel to go up against KD and against uh and against Giannis.
1: Yeah, and at, to be honest with my next pick, I'm not going to go with the Cavs. I'm gonna go with the New York Knicks.
0: Oh jeez! Oh no! I'm just kidding. I'm
1: kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm going with the Cavs. Okay. <laughs>
0: you're you're not down buying down. into this New York. This New York. Uh, did the Jalen Brunson's agent also tamper with you too to put them on our on our list? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh no! It's just listen. Every, i feel like every time i come on this pod we gotta throw a shot at the Lakers and the Knicks they, they
0: are to be fair they have they have one four in a row and they're actually better than my heat right now so I'm pretty pissed right now but i I, I will never I, I'm waiting for new york to overpay for like Bradley bill this off season. it's just gonna happen they, they're gonna go all in on the fifth seat i cannot wait
1: now, nah, Bradley Beal is a generational bag chaser. I think he's going to stay with Washington for the rest of his career. <laughs> the, he's the, had so many. They're, they're going to get they're out they're out
0: sign there. Russell Westbrook and pair him with Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I, I, I oh want what the God. what are the live odds on that man?
1: <laughs> that is so gross. That's so disgusting. But getting getting out of that disgusting situation. I'll talk a little bit about the Cavs because I do. I I don't think the Cavs are necessarily. I don't think they'll win the title. I don't think they they're they're still. They definitely need another defensive, especially in in the backcourt, another defensive presence to kind of hold it down. But you know we're we're doing this pod. Just days after Donovan Mitchell scored seventy one points um and, and
0: i want i haven 't done like a whole analysis on that. I would say it 's the most one of the more impressive seventy point games because uh, I listened to another pod and they brought up a great point of When a lot of these guys score these bunches, it's because they're getting, like, the fed the ball every time, whatever. But Mitchell not only had 71 points, he also had 11 assists. And he was also playing within the offense, too. Like, it wasn't just – he got hot because he was just making his shots, but it wasn't, like, isolation scoring where it was, like, just ridiculous. Like, he was just playing within the flow of the game, which I think made it more more magical.
1: Oh, totally. And that, I think, is why – Utah has Utah when he was there found some success winning like a couple playoff series but just because of Mitchell's offensive he's like he's so good so good offensively but I think that you you couple him with Darius Garland who has shown that he's you know one of he's no I don't think he's like a perennial all star, but he's one of those guys that you can that if he is an all star you can be like, uh, ah, you know, I get that. Like yeah. he's good. He'll, he'll
0: be like, he'll he'll he has like a Kevin Johnson type archetype of small guard who for the career He's not gonna be like you know a ten time All NBA player, but he'll 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 crack an All NBA thirteen maybe down the road. He'll he's gonna make like five All Star teams. Like he's been he's been good this year, man. I I really yeah. I I compared to his rookie season where it was just like God help me. I actually I really, yeah. I really I really like Garland.
1: No, he he's been really he has been really good, and another cog of this no defense backcourt is Karis Levert, who if he can just find some consistency in his play, that can take them a long <laughs> way. And I know, and you know, you're shaking your head because I know that'll never happen. Did he go to Michigan,
0: by the way? I think he was, a, was he a Michigan he guy? Oh, okay. So you, you've got high hopes, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, listen, I he's been in the league long enough to where I where I know what he is, <laughs> what he does. But I mean, God, just in an, in, a, in a perfect world, if Karius LeVert could string together Two good games in a row, that would be really cool. Right? That's why
0: I actually like Cleveland though, because there is a possibility like he can remember against like uh, Philly in that first round series. He actually was really good again when he was with yeah. Brooklyn. Like he actually played really well. So like if he can string together just like back to back like thirty point games and not kill you defensively, it's the defense that just concerns me because they have like they need to sacrifice their offensive upside. If they want to get better defensively and vice versa, because they have Allen and Mobley aren't really jump shooters or outside guys or creators, but they're all their three guards are also like average at best defensively. No, no one there's an elite stopper on defense. They're really banking on Mobley and Evan and uh, Allen to really step up there. That's my only concern with Cleveland. Yeah, like they're and a sol a solid playoff team that can maybe on in the right in the right like month actually like make a final they can maybe I I think they can make the finals like pote- like it's like a one percent chance but it, it's not crazy that's why I got them on here.
1: Yeah, I I think we're mostly on the same page with them though. We don't expect them to really win the Eastern Conference, but we realize you know what that that it it is a possibility. Okay. Even though it's small, it is a possibility.
0: So. I honestly, I think I'm gonna have the last pick here because I think from here it kind of falls out. I'm gonna go with Miami here just because. Ah, uh, Homer. Here, cause, well, because here are my options though. So if I'm looking at it, my options left are Miami, in the Eastern Conference. If we start there, it'll be New York, Miami, Phoenix, or blah, New York, Miami, Atlanta. I think those are like if you want to even put them in the like like it's three fringed playoff slash playing teams as my choices in the West. Sacramento's the only one that I think logically makes sense, but then I their defense concerns me and they've also it's kind of a just happy to be there story where like they haven't shown me anything in the playoffs, which I think matters. They're so fun. Yeah, so but then after that look it's Portland, I'm not really high on Phoenix has lost five in a row uh unless you think the Timberwolves or Lakers are making a run like I feel like the only reason I pick Miami they've got continuity with their team Jimmy Butler I think also having a superstar that can just be that good he can win you a playoff series and make it to the semifinals so I think it's it is a homer pick but also like I'm not egregious and say like is it is it too like drastic to say Miami's better than Phoenix right now or the Lakers or Timberwolves and conversely better than New York or Atlanta I think Miami has the better playoff like resume than any of those teams
1: yeah, and I mean, I I was just throwing the jab in there because I, I knew you had... To I mean, it is very it.
0: homery because Sacramento is just way better this year. Like, I think Sacramento actually would be fun in the playoffs, but they're not a championship contender just because yeah. it's like they're, they have a lower offensive floor than a Denver, but they're also way worse defensively. Like, they're not a good defensive team, and they don't have the personnel either.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we both know that Sacramento... It's a is, it's a feel-good like, story. Like I said, a happy-to-be-there situation. Miami... Has been there before, and I mean, they they have, in an ideal world, they have a well-rounded roster, but I think their championship window is just kind of closed.
0: Oh yeah, um, no, I, I don't think Miami's even, here's my hot take, I think Miami loses in the first round, I don't think they're gonna get out of the first round. I really, I
1: don't really think that's a hot take. Yeah, um,
0: like the only reason I'm picking them is just because out of any of these teams left for the for the sake of us both having six picks, they just like Butler in a playoff series can at least like get you somewhere. And I think Bam's yeah. been really good this year, so that's my only pick. Like, if anything, we could. I think the real question is what's the cutoff line because we think so. If we go through our top twelve real quick and then we'll wrap up. Boston, Milwaukee is our top two. Uh, Memphis, Golden State, Denver, Brooklyn. I think we all think they could probably win the title potentially. I think Clippers and Dallas, we'd still say it's very possible to at least make the finals, I would, I would say. Is that where I it, think?
1: Is it, is I, think it, I think the cutoff is after um, Denver and Brooklyn.
0: So after me. So after that, then, I would say tier two is LA, Clippers, Dallas, New Orleans, Philly maybe Cleveland, and I think after that, then it jumps to a third tier of just playoff teams with some upside but not anything crazy. And I think that's where you get to Miami, Phoenix, Sacramento, yeah. some of those teams. Yeah. So I think I think our tiers are right. I will say, just to, to wrap up things here, we backed up our talking point that the East has higher upside but the West has more depth because our first two picks were both Eastern Conference teams, but our last three picks were also Eastern Conference teams. And then in the middle, other than Brooklyn – Five of those teams we had in the middle were all western conference teams, so that that definitely proved that when we went through this exercise we actually truly met what we said of like we we think the Eastern Conference has the better championship upside, but there's way more there 's way more uh, uh, darts to throw at the apple here for the for the Western Conference of who can win. any other final takeaways before we wrap up here from a, i 'd say a pretty interesting segment here when you when you look at it in hindsight
1: yeah, it was i you know I, I think we got it right for the most part on where we where we stack up the teams. I I think there's a little bit of disagreement, but I think for the most part we are both kind of on the same page with how we view the teams in the NBA, which was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, no, it, it was pretty fun to get some for the most part agreement here. I would say the only Uh see it's even hard to disagree because it's like how do you differentiate between like a Denver and Brooklyn or a Memphis and Golden State? I think we actually got from a tiers perspective. We know who the queer title favorites are, who the queer upside title teams are and then who's kind of everybody else i think we did a good job like breaking down who are legit and who are not so i think that was the premise of this segment as i wanted and eyes it was good to have you on to finally talk some nba for almost basically an hour so it was good to have you on man
1: yeah it was good to be back thanks for having me and uh yeah anytime anytime you want me to come back on i'm happy to do it